Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Please pray with me. Dear Father in heaven, we come before you now as we do week by week, asking that you would join us here in this place and trusting that as our promise-keeping Lord, you are here with us. May my words now be your words and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We ask this in your Son, our Savior, Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Sometimes as a preacher, you feel like a broken record. Of course, that puts you in good company. Uh, Like, for instance, Martin Luther, the great reformer, who said that he preached the same good news to his congregation each week because they forgot it every week. Or the Apostle Paul, who told the Corinthians that when he was among them, he resolved to know nothing but Christ and him crucified. Now, of course... Knowing Christ means a whole host of other things. And St. Paul wrote and spoke to the Corinthians about many issues in their personal lives and in the church. Luther, of course, did the same. But it seems that perhaps when they stood up to preach, these men had one message that they returned to again and again. As we just sang in that beautiful hymn, their resounding theme and will be till I die. What were the exact words? Redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till I die. I'm reminded also of the first seven or eight chapters of the book of Acts, which record the first set of sermons preached by the apostles to the early church. And they're all exactly the same. You are sinners, the apostles say. Your sins put Jesus on the cross, but now he is risen. He is alive, repent, believe in the gospel, and enjoy eternal life with Christ. Let us never tire of proclaiming the good news. Last week in the exploration class, our topic was, what is the Bible? And we discussed two interpretive principles, ways to read the biblical text that can help us understand what we're reading. Of course, those of you who have taken the class will need no reminding, wink, wink, Um, of what those principles are. The first is that we don't interpret the scriptures. The scriptures interpret us. And the second is that the Lord speaks to us in two ways rather than one. His word to us is law and gospel, commandment and promise. And speaking of broken records, I feel like we've been returning to this truth, and I mean like I've been explicitly mentioning it on Sunday mornings week after week. And then I open up the text for this week, and there it is again, right in our faces. Law and gospel, commandment and promise. The announcement that we are sinners on the one hand, and the announcement that we have a Savior on the other. Christ and Him crucified. Now, we're still in Epiphany, that season of the church year that comes after Christmas but before Lent, when we consider God's revelation of himself 
to the world. Christmas, of course, is when he actually came, actually arrived on the scene. That's the incarnation. But Epiphany, this season after Christmas, is when we think about the impact that his coming must necessarily have on us. Meeting Jesus changes everything. Remember the wise men who had to go home by a different road. Jesus has come into the world and now nothing will ever be the same again. And we have an echo of that sentiment in our reading this morning, our Old Testament reading from Isaiah, prophetically echoing this idea hundreds of years before it occurs. Isaiah exclaims in chapter 40, Have you not known? Have you not heard? Hasn't someone told you everything is different now? But interestingly, in the course of our little reading from Isaiah 40 this morning, the prophet makes this declaration twice. Have you not known? Have you not heard? In verse 21 and again in verse 28. But he follows that each time with two different things we're supposed to have heard. Two different things we're supposed to know. Two different ways in which God has revealed himself to us. The first time, in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 21 and following, he says, Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to live in, who brings princes to naught, makes the rulers of the earth as nothing. This is Isaiah's first exclamation, his first announcement. Don't you know, he says, haven't you heard? Hasn't someone told you how awesome God is? He sits above the circle of the earth while you earthlings are like grasshoppers. Even the rulers of the earth, Isaiah says, are nothing compared to him. This is announcement number one, God's first word. I am awesome. You are not. But then in verse 28 and following, Isaiah has another exclamation, another announcement And what he's announcing is quite different. Listen, have you not known? Have you not heard? The introduction is exactly the same. But now listen to what he says. The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable, still awesome. He gives power to the faint and strengthens powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted, but those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is Isaiah's second exclamation, his second announcement. Don't you know? Haven't you heard? Hasn't someone told you how merciful God is? 
He gives strength to the weak. He refreshes the powerless. People who wait on him will be able to rely on his power even when they have none of their own. This is announcement number two. You are needy. God is merciful. So these two announcements. Have you not known? Have you not heard? God is great and God is merciful are a wonderfully succinct summation of God's two announcements to his people. The two things about himself that he wants you to know. Like I said at the beginning, law and gospel, commandment and promise. First, the bad news, announcement one, I am God and you are not. Compared to me, you are a grasshopper, less than a grasshopper. Even your princes and your kings are nothing compared to me. This is reminiscent of last week's reading from Mark chapter 1, isn't it? When the unclean spirit recognizes Jesus as the Holy One of God. Have you come to destroy us? The spirit wants to know. Acknowledging his lowly status before God's holiness. In this week's gospel reading, Jesus refuses to even let the demons speak. Because they know him. After all, God brings kings and princes and indeed unclean spirits to nothing. I can't help but remember what the Lord says to Job when Job finally works up the courage to ask God why he's having to undergo such suffering. The Lord says, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding, who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Who are you, Job? Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place? that it might take hold of the skirts of the earth and the wicked be shaken out of it? Have you entered the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you? Or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you comprehended the expanse of the earth? Declare, if you know all this. In other words, I sit above the circle of the earth, Job. You are a grasshopper. And the same is true of us. In our humanness, relative to Almighty God, we are grasshoppers. Each and every one of us. Grasshoppers at best. And listen, I don't like to be called a grasshopper either. It sounds like bad news, and to us prideful people, it is really bad news. But listen to me now. It's only bad news if we forget who God is. If God was in the business of crushing grasshoppers, of punishing those servants who are disobedient to him, like Job's friends insist that he is, then a God who sits above the heavens looking down at us grasshoppers would be bad news indeed. Because we can't 
give him anything, any good work or sufficient offering to stave off his judgment. Compared to him, even princes and kings are nothing. What can we do? What can we be? But as always, knowing who our God really is, is great good news. The result of hearing Isaiah's first announcement, being shown to be weak, faint, weary, exhausted, mere grasshoppers, the result of hearing that is that we who know him are reminded that our God is also the God of Isaiah's second announcement. The announcement that God has good news, even for grasshoppers. Good news for those people who can offer him nothing. Our God, amazingly, instead of requiring something of us, actually gives something to us. He gives weak and sinful people mercy and grace. I remember years ago I was a volunteer as part of a prison ministry that spent a weekend sharing the gospel with the inmates at Calipatria State Prison in a desolate California town, Calipatria, sort of in between LA and San Diego, just in the desert. That environment, the baking heat, the razor wire, the guard towers, everything that came with that experience was designed to make the people there feel like grasshoppers, waiting to be crushed. Nothing makes you feel small like hearing prison doors slam shut behind you. And I was only going to be there for like 36 hours. Isaiah's words ring true in a place like that. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth. Its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. He brings princes to naught makes the rulers of the earth as nothing. Those prisoners were less than grasshoppers. They had been brought to nothing. And yet, this was not God's only announcement to those men incarcerated in Calipatria State Prison. Every day at the end of our time together, we would sing Alfred, Alfred Brumley's classic gospel song, I'll Fly Away. Now for a while, it's just sort of a classic song. Some glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away. To a home on God's celestial shore, I'll fly away. But then, if you know the words, you know what I'm going to say. It takes on a special meaning for inmates in a maximum security prison. Because you sing, like a bird from prison bars has flown, I'll fly away. Just a few more weary days, and then I'll fly away to a land where joy shall never end. I'll fly away. Now, I promise you, you have never sung a gospel song until you've sung I'll fly away with men carrying life sentences. Like a bird from prison bars has flown. I'll fly away. They were grasshoppers, but they were not crushed. No, they had been, in Christ, set free. The announcement 
that sets us free is a song that our God sings specifically to the grasshoppers, to the weak, to the weary, to the faint. It's a song sung to prisoners. And yes, it's a song that our Lord sings to prisoners like Job and to prisoners like the men in Calipatria State Prison. But it's also a song he sings to a prisoner like you. And I can tell you this morning what those convicted felons actually knew. I could hear it in their voices. This good news of Jesus Christ actually bursts prison doors open. Job is restored. Those prisoners in California, no matter their worldly circumstance, they were in Christ free. Those who wait for the Lord, Isaiah promises, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Our God is holy and mighty. You aren't. But have you not known? Have you not heard? Our God is merciful and forgiving. Our God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be born for you, to live for you, to die for you, to be resurrected for you, to set you free. He became a grasshopper for you. Philippians chapter 2, Christ Jesus though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And he didn't just become a grasshopper for you, he was indeed crushed. For you. Isaiah chapter 53. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Have you not known? Have you not heard? God is holy and you are not. But have you not known? Have you not heard? God is merciful to you. He sent Jesus Christ, his beloved and holy son, to live for you, to die for you, and to be raised again for you, to give his own righteousness to you, to give you, the prisoner, new life and freedom. Amen.